Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with, with each and every one of you today uh, on this Monday, October 5th of 2020. Uh, we just finished the weekend, and we're already beginning uh, a, fresh, a fresh new time here in the Word of God as we're going to continue to study the Word of God. But we want to take the time to uh, welcome you, all of our listeners, wherever uh, part of the world that you are tuning in from. We are so grateful to have you join us. And uh, our prayer and our desire is that these podcasts will not only bless you, but that they will encourage you, that they will challenge you. Because I believe that we are living in very challenging times. And and we thank God for the things that we have been able to, we have, God has shown us through his word, and we have been able to glean from so I'm excited about this week. Every Monday is, is, is exciting. We start fresh. Uh, we always, during the weekend, you know, we just try to keep our hearts open as the Lord speaks to us as servants of God. And uh, so <clears throat> today we're going to begin again our study in the Word of God, prophecy, and what God is saying in this hour. So I pray that you will be joining us and that your heart will be ready as we get ready to study the Word of God. Today in our panel, we have Brother Marty and Brother Fernando, and uh, as always, grateful to be able to study the Word of God together. So Brother Marty, uh, we'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Amen. Well, welcome to another week. Uh, we're here in, uh, what is today, the 5th of October? And, yes. Uh, yes, sir. Quite a week, right? <laughs> it's been quite a weekend. It's been uh, October has kind of hit the ground running, man. I mean, the the heat's being turned up. Things are being accelerated around the world. It's really quite an exciting time to live in, if you know God. And, uh, yeah. you know, what we're talking and what we've been attempting to talk about uh, is uh, it, 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 it's 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 not an easy thing uh to to dig into the word like this but it is uh it is the time that we need to do it if we've ever needed to do it and and so we're really happy uh from the reports we've been getting uh the emails that we've been uh hearing from the listening audience out there uh it is it is a great honor and one that we don't take lightly uh it it really works within us uh, a, a sobering sense of responsibility, and it is our heart uh, as brothers in the Lord uh, to to be able to to do what we can, play our part, and to contribute um, to your life if that's possible by the grace of God uh, and His anointing. And so we're thankful for the encouraging words. Uh, we uh, we hope you know who you are. Uh, we don't usually mention names unless someone says we can so you know but we've been hearing and and we're grateful uh to the work that god is doing and of course as always uh and only and exclusively we give all the glory to the lord jesus christ because he alone is worthy and so with that in mind we're going to continue our studies this week as we continue to look at the visions that were given to the prophet ezekiel I'm going to have Brother Jeremy, if he could, begin reading for us at verse, uh, chapter uh, 
15 uh, through through 17 of chapter 8. And if you have your Bibles, we encourage you, as always, to follow along and uh, and to share these programs with others that you feel uh, would benefit by by the Word of God that uh, that's been given to us to share to you. So, Brother Jeremy, with that in mind, would you read, mind reading chapter 8 of the prophet Ezekiel, verse 15 through 17? And we will begin our study this week in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Then said he unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. And he brought me into the inner courts of the Lord's house. And behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about five and twenty men, with their backs towards the temple of the Lord, and their faces toward the east, and they worshipped the sun toward the east. Then he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit the abominations which they commit here? For they have filled the land with violence, and have returned to provoke me to anger. And lo, they put the branch to their nose. Incredible. Uh, taken from the middle of the 16th verse, he says about 25 men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord, their faces toward the east, they worship the sun toward the east. Incredible what we're witnessing here uh, as we get into this this morning. Uh, we pray the Lord would would uh, open our eyes to see. We've gone through the uh, prior three three incidents or abominations, as the Lord calls them, greater abominations. As Ezekiel was taken uh, in a vision through the holy temple in Jerusalem, and we covered those at length last week. We encourage you to go back and listen to the to the uh, teachings uh, to bring yourself up to up to speed to where we are today. But we're going to pick it up from from this uh, 16th verse and something that Ezekiel saw, uh, which really, in, in essence, became the final nail in the coffin, so to speak, uh, which would ultimately bring their destruction. It was an ongoing practice now, uh, really uh, acts that were of incredible blasphemy. And it's it's very difficult to get into those kinds of reflections uh, without, uh, you know, trying not to be sensational <laughs> because we don't want to delve in, you know what I mean, <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the craziness, man, that was going on in the temple here. But again, I want to just, you know, reflect a little bit uh, in Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 4. Brother Jeremy, would you mind reading that again? Because I'd like to talk a little bit about that as well. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, in Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 4. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself. And a brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof, as the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire. So this basically sets the tone for the entire prophecy entire writing of the prophecies of the of, of the prophet Ezekiel 
and we we were talking about the extraordinary uh, implications, I guess is the best way to say it, or or reflection uh, that we should take note of, because from verse four through verse twenty-eight of chapter one, uh, great pains is taken by the Holy Spirit to have Ezekiel record what he saw, and what he saw out of the north, like Brother Jeremy was just reading, uh, was the approach of the very throne room of heaven, of God Himself. Uh, he described it as a whirlwind coming out of the north. And as we began to um, uh, explore Ezekiel chapter 8, we pointed out uh, the many times as Ezekiel is taken through the temple, where the abominations were located uh, within the temple is repeatedly described as being in the north, in the north of the temple. We see that in, uh, in let's see, chapter 8. We see that in verse 3 where uh, he's taken to the door of the inner gate that looks toward the north. And there he finds the seat of the image of jealousy. And then he's taken in verse 5 toward the north, and then it says, And behold, the northward at the gate of the altar is the image of jealousy right at the entry point. And and he he's continually being directed toward the north, as we looked at on Friday, uh, the women that were weeping for Tammuz in verse 14, it says, he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, uh, which was toward the north. And there were the women weeping for Tammuz. So uh, the, the significance of the north within the temple complex itself is emphasized by the Holy Spirit. And whenever you study scripture, it's important to note those things, to note repetitions, to note patterns, to note uh, every single word. Jesus talked about, uh, you know, the importance of God's word being brought down to every notation on, on letters themselves when he said not one jot, what, not one tittle uh, would pass away except all the words of God would be fulfilled. So the, it's important that we reflect on those things. And, and what we're being told uh, by, by our attention being drawn to the north uh, and as we compared scripture with scripture, it, it is precisely because the north is the direction, uh, as the scripture reveals, uh, of heaven itself. The location, uh, wherever that is now, it's, it's northward of heaven itself. And so when chapter 1 begins in verse 4, when Ezekiel begins to see God approaching, uh, it's an extraordinary thing because we're we're asking the question we and we asked the question on friday um you know what was it that necessitated that god himself come because we haven't seen him appear in this magnitude uh since the days of mount sinai before israel was even a nation in the promised land when moses brought the children of israel uh out of egypt and the Lord parted the Red Sea, and we all know the Exodus story. And they they came uh, in the wilderness after they crossed over the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's armies were destroyed. Uh, the whole purpose was to bring the people to himself. And the journey led them uh, to the very foot of the mountain of, of Sinai. And, and it's there that the descriptions, when you actually study it out, uh, of God himself coming down. Uh, with with the hosts of heaven and 
the mountain was described as looking as if it was on fire. And so this is God who came and displayed himself as God. And you know, this is an extraordinary thing when you think about it. These are the places that we need to understand and and allow the, the meditative processes of our reflections to go deep into the understanding of what is being revealed. Because it has implications as to how we understand what consciousness is, what life is, what understanding and thought and 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 meditation really is as an individual unique spirit and soul, which each and every one of us are, and also as it is collectively when it comes to the people of God. We need to understand if we will take the time to allow the Spirit of God to to take us there, and this doesn't happen overnight, what reality is and and what true existence really is. Because what we see here and what is actually happening is, for one, it, 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 it fascinates me. We take for granted, but if we'll actually think about it, it's quite an extraordinary thing, that the Creator, that the Father in Heaven, that God Himself, would even be concerned with what's taking place <laughs> anywhere on the earth, you know, considering the vastness of the universe and, uh, you know, and all the multiple dimensions that the Bible says are, are in existence and have been created by God. And, and why this is important, it's not, it's not necessary to your salvation, but it, I'll tell you what, it enhances our understanding of the largeness of all things. Because what we're being called to as not only individuals but collectively as the body of Christ is is a destiny and, and an ultimate um, meeting of our Heavenly Father. And with that in mind, uh, you know, the Bible itself is given to us as an instruction manual and, and as an as as an information source uh to to bring understanding to why it is we're here why it is that i was even born and where it is that i'm headed now what does that got to do with ezekiel well i'm putting that forth so that we understand that what we are witnessing here and what is being revealed to us here is is of such an extraordinary manner that it would it would get the attention of god himself these things that happened in the temple that Ezekiel's describing, as we've been looking at, literally uh, transcended the material world, transcended the universe, and reached into the very place uh, where the source of all things is, the very throne room of God. And when he is beginning to be shown these things, and the Holy Spirit takes our attention to pay attention to the north. And we take the journey and, and walk the steps as it's revealed in chapter 8. What we are literally seeing is the progression of evil that began to infiltrate the house of God where his glory had been deposited, according to First Kings. Chapter 8. Now, let's take a look at that, Brother Jeremy, if you would, real quick, in First Kings chapter 8, just for some context. Yes. 
this was the dedication of the temple of God. And it was, and we've already covered it before, but I think we need to look at it again. Uh, could you read, uh, this is this is what's going on when Solomon has finally completed the temple. It's now being dedicated to God. And when they be, when they dedicated and they, they went through the process of sanctifying it and consecrating it and all that, God shows up, but this is how he came. And can you read that to us in, in chapter 8, verse 10 and 11, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And it came to pass, when the priests were come out of the holy place, the, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Now, this is precisely why uh, the temple was so important on the planet. Uh, it, it appears that an aspect of the Lord himself called the glory of the Lord, that same glory, the, the, the rabbis call it the Shekinah glory. It's, it's, the, it's the substantive creative force, power. I don't. How do you describe God, right? I mean, but <laughs> I mean, how do you describe anything about God? So the Bible simply calls it His glory. But it was deposited within the temple at the dedication of Solomon's temple. Now, the importance of the temple cannot be minimized here, uh, and 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 we mean it from this perspective, and that's that 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 it was always headed there. Remember, when God appeared to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the specific instructions for a movable tent, which they could set up and tear down and move, as the Bible describes it, whether it was at nighttime, there was always a pillar of fire in the center of what was known as the tabernacle, or whether it was by day, it was a pillar of cloud. And whenever that presence would move, they would tear down uh, the tent in specific and chronological ways with each particular uh, component part of the priesthood being responsible for the aspects and component parts of the tabernacle itself. And they would move through the wilderness that way. Well, when they came to the very edge of the promised land, Moses would reveal to them, as God had revealed to him, that ultimately what God was going to do when he brought them into the promised land was he would reveal to them where he would set his name. Now, for the first 400-plus years that they came into the Promised Land, uh, they hadn't actually arrived at that place. It was under the leadership of Joshua when he delved out the 12 portions that belonged to the 12 tribes of, of the land of Canaan, which became Israel. It fell to the tribe of Ephraim in the city of Shiloh, uh, to create a tabernacle there, and then they built a temple complex around it. But that's not where God had originally wanted to put, uh, was going to put his name. He had revealed to Moses that he would actually place his name at a specific location that he would reveal in the future, which he ultimately ended up doing through King David. It is the reason that David went and, and did battle against the Jebusites when he overtook uh, the city, it became the city of David, and he 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 uh, he he defeated the Jebusites and and took the Temple Mount, <clears throat> and and also paid <clears throat> for the very place where the Holy of Holies would be on that Temple Mount 
a man by the name of Aruna, if you remember, or Ornan, the Jebusite they called him. He paid for that very spot where the actual temple complex would be built. That is where God chose to put his name. That is Jerusalem. That is Mount Moriah. And so then King David wanted to build him that house, but it was revealed to him, if you remember when we went through our studies of the ark, that <laughs> that, that he would not be allowed to build God's house, and, but that his son would build it for, uh, would be allowed to build it because David was a man of war, as God would explain to him through the prophet Nathan. But then what what is revealed to us in the book of Second Chronicles, uh, in First Chronicles, I'm sorry, is, is David, when he comes to the end of his life, he specifically reveals that that the the temple complex itself and and its its architectural design and all the materials necessary um, that would go within it were specific and given by divine dictate. He says he got those instructions by the holy spirit of god uh let's take a look at that brother jim keep your finger on on chapter eight of first kings and we'll go back to there real quick in a minute but let's look what david said at the end of his life concerning uh the house of god in uh let's see chapter i think it's 28 or 29 let me see first chronicles yes first chronicles 28 so uh David is talking to his son here, and he, in verse 10, you can start there uh, and read through verse 12, if you don't mind. Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Then David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the port and of the houses thereof and of the treasuries thereof, and of the upper chambers thereof, and of the inner parlors thereof, and of the place of the mercy seat. Holy of holies. And the, the holy of holies. Mm -hmm. And the pattern and? Of, of all that he had by the spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord, and of all the chambers round about of the treasuries to the house of God, of the house of God, and the treasuries of the dedicated thing. Yeah, so he goes on and begins to lay that out. But notice what he says there in verse 12. Uh, he says, and the pattern of all that he had by the Spirit. So it's an extraordinary thing that's being revealed. And we can go back to 1 Kings chapter 8 now, because we're laying some foundational work here as to why once we get to these 25 guys that are <laughs> that are worshiping the sun it ultimately sealed the fate of the nation it's the last thing that god shows ezekiel but there's a reason why and what it reveals is, is so far reaching in scope as to be connected to the other side i mean it, it it it's there's a connective tissue if you will between the seen and the unseen and the effects of what would go on within this sacred temple, which David himself, the king, claimed to have received, not by some sort of inspiring you know, thought, but by the Holy Spirit himself. So this is why when the temple was constructed and hundreds of years later would ultimately be defiled in the, in, in the blasphemous way in which it was, 
that the reverberations of the activity that were taking place within the established house of God at that time literally transcended the heavens and the earth and reached into the very courtrooms of heaven itself. And so serious which what was going on there, it brought God himself back to the earth with the entirety of heaven. Everything came with it. Because as we read, Brother Jeremy, can you read that again in verse 11 of chapter 8 of 1 Kings? Yes. It says, so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. So so the glory of the Lord came there, and, and when it receded, it receded into the place that had been prepared for it, his glory. And that is the Holy of Holies. It would go and be there unseen, but once a year, when the high priest would go in and, and offer a drop of blood from the spotless lamb on the Day of Atonement on the mercy seat, which is the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies, we are told that the glory of God would appear over the mercy seat and illuminate the Holy of Holies. His glory abode there. Something so incredibly profound, a word that I like to use a lot, it was incredibly profound that he he manifested at the time of the dedication of the temple and and the weight of the glory was so intense that they couldn't even stand up. I don't know <laughs> I don't know if 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 you've ever sensed that kind of of the weight of the glory. The and I'm not saying this is anywhere equivalent to it, but there is a sense of 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 this happened to me one time. When I was really, really young, I was invited to come and, and, and speak at this gathering of people in a beauty shop of all places in Thibodeau, Louisiana. And uh, they had cleared out all the chairs and, and they wanted to have a meeting. So they, they sent they sent me down there uh, with a young man who was supposed to preach that night. And, and I was going to go and conduct the service and then turn the service over to him. But there was something really unusual in the air that night. The people had come with a great expectation. They were they were really hungry for the word of God and, and to have church. <laughs> and, and they didn't have a place to meet, but but the place was packed. You know, I mean, you, they must have squeezed 100 people into that little shop. And uh, we came and, and, and there was something really unusual in the air that night. And we began to, to sing and praise God uh, that night. And and all I can describe to you is that the presence of God came in such a way, the discernible presence of God came upon the congregation. And and the best way to describe this is as if, you know, if, you, if you've ever stood on the sand of the sea or the seashore and you see how the wave kind of builds up and then it crashes down on the shore and then, you know, and then it just kind of comes up to the shore after it crashes down on the shore. That's kind of what it felt like. And I was conducting the service and I was supposed to turn it over to him after the praise and worship and let him minister. But but the, the glory of God, or I would say the presence of God was so strong, it literally felt, and I don't know how else to describe this, but like, like I was, like my back was toward this wave that came over the top of us and literally entered the building 
and you could you could sense it. And when the wave came over into the building, it hit the place we were at. And I've never experienced this since then in this way. And that was almost 30 years ago, you know, a little a little less than 30 years ago. And what began to happen, the effects of it were such that that not one person was able to stand up. The people were on their knees by their chairs. Some were laughing, you know, not not irreverently, not like we've seen of late. It was just like like a a laugh of joy that came on them as they were praying, and God was washing over. One would be in the corner weeping, uh, crying out to God for whatever. People were sitting in quiet uh, on the ground in quiet reflection, and uh, and and me. Being young, younger at the time, you know, I'm conducting the service, right? So I really don't know what to do. But it, it, then all of a sudden it felt like literally like this weight came on top of me and I couldn't stand up. I could not stand up. As a matter of fact, to continue to stand up began to feel like I was rebelling against God. And when the weight of it came down on me, I, I went to my knees. And and even then, that wasn't enough. I felt like the Lord wanted me to prostrate myself out on the ground, which required incredible humility on my part because I was so full of myself at the time. You know, I was like, I can't do this in front of the people. So he was humbling me is my point. Not that I was humble. I was being humble is what I meant to say. And when when it came down like that, I became completely unaware of anyone else in the building. I could hear the sound. But God began in his glory uh, in that room to deal with every individual uniquely, and none of us could stand in his presence. I cannot, I can't, we can't work it up. We didn't try to do anything. It just happened. I was there, and what began to happen to me was God began to, to reveal to me what I, who I really was. You know, in light of his holiness and his purity and his beauty. And he began to show me even the tiniest things in my life. Uh, how I had been treating my wife. Things I wouldn't have even understood maybe not would not have been, you know, something that I would even take note of. But God began to show me an attitude, a thought, uh, an unkind word, uh, uh, you know, and, and in other places of my life, he began to show me even the smallest of things. And, and and then he began to like, like show it to me as if I was watching a movie of my own life. Kind of like that old movie uh, of Scrooge, you know, when he gets taken in the dream and he's actually seeing what he's really like. I mean, it was like that. The glory was so heavy. And then it got so heavy that I literally felt like I was being pressed into the ground as I saw these things. And I saw them from the perspective of of, of the Lord, as, as much as that's humanly possible. I saw myself as he sees me. And what, what strikes me now as I'm talking about it is, is that I've never really thought about it. But what he was showing me about how he sees me is how much it hurt him that I would hurt anyone else that he loved or how I treated other people. And those of you who know me, uh, my brothers know me, I, I'm, a, I'm the most laid back dude you'd want to meet. 
but in the in the light of God's holy presence and how he really sees things, it broke me. And I wept and I wept and I wept for almost two solid hours. I wept so hard that my shoe fell off, my tie was slung over my head. I mean, literally, my tears were wetting the, the, the floor uh, of the barber shop or beauty shop, whatever that thing was. Uh, I literally created a small little puddle of tears. And I cried and cried so hard as God began to just wash over me and wash over me until uh, I was broken under that glory and presence, under the light and the holiness of God. By the time I got up, all hundred people had were just sitting there waiting for me <laughs> to get up. But I'll never, I'll never forget. Now I was fifty miles away from home, but after that, it was all I could do to get back home. And I drove that fifty miles uh, back to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where my wife was. And I, I remember running into the house, and she asked me. Uh, it was probably about eleven thirty, twelve o'clock at night, and she asked me how'd the service go. I couldn't even talk. All I could do, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm talking to you about the glory of God. All I could do was 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 fall my head on her lap and cry and tell her how sorry I was for not being the kind of man I needed to be. And, uh, you know, that's just a little taste of the glory of God. Because what he did was cleanse me and wash me and and break me. And I fought really hard back then to hold on to that because, you know, as human beings, we, we, we go through experiences. And I was very young. But I remember the sensitivity and the beauty of walking in repentance and brokenness. And only the glory of God can do such a thing. That's why when Solomon dedicates this temple, it says the glory of God came. And it says that they could not stand to minister. They couldn't stand to minister. There's no flesh of glory in his presence, right? When his presence is really there. Well, he left his presence there. He left his presence there. And so one of the things that's revealed here in chapter 8 is tied directly to these 25 men we're about to look at. Read about that, would you, Brother Jeremy, in, in verse 1 of chapter 8. And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house and the elders of Judah sat before me, that the hand of the Lord God fell there upon me. Praise God. Well, I, I'm sorry, Brother Jeremy. I meant for you to read First uh, Kings chapter 8, verse 1. Oh, okay. No worries. <clears throat> then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel, unto King Solomon in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. Hallelujah. So check this out. Remember, we talked about a couple of weeks ago about the tabernacle of David, that that's where the Ark came we talked about uh, him leaving in charge Asaph uh, at, at, at that tabernacle. Well, it had been sitting there ever since. But here uh, we now see a specific group of people that, that, that is revealed here uh, right from the get-go. 
they are the ones responsible for carrying the ark, the presence, into the very holy of holies. He calls them the elders of Israel, the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel. And we know that they were priests uh, because of what they were doing, which was carrying the ark. And they went and they brought it and set it in the holy of holies. And so then the glory of God comes. So when you fast forward these several hundred years later, and we come to Ezekiel chapter 8, we see we see why what is taking place is such an is so egregious. Can you read verse 16 to us again, Brother Jeremy? Of uh, chapter 8? Yes, of Ezekiel. I'm okay. sorry. Okay. Yes, no, no worries. Here we go. <clears throat> and he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house. And behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about five and twenty men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east. And they worshiped the sun toward the east. Now, this was the this was the final nail in the coffin, so to speak. Uh, although Ezekiel was shown these visions simultaneously, and we'll talk about that in a second. Again, understand that Ezekiel, like he says in, in chapter 8, that he was taken by a, a lock of his hair or from his head. And what we've discussed this at length, what God did. Uh, could you read verse 3 to us, brother? Uh, and just the middle part of the of the verse where it concludes with visions of God. Could you read that? And he put forth the form of a hand and took me by a lock of my head. And the spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem. Amen. So, again, we were talking about how Ezekiel was carried from Babylon. He was literally pulled out of his clay vessel, his body, and carried in the wind of the Spirit um, between the heaven and the earth. And, and we talked about that and the significance of why the Holy Spirit uh, did that. Because he left the dimension of the material, and where he's being carried is the dimension between the two, the heaven and the earth, which is the abode of of principality and power. And it's it's as we discussed this before, the egregious sin that he was about to have revealed to him was the Holy Spirit's way in carrying him in that particular place between the heaven and the earth is the Holy Spirit's way of of discussing and revealing to us how how uh how terrible what was going on. It had literally pierced the material world. In other words, it he had to be shown this in the realm of the spirit and there's reasons why. Again, we're talking about for lack of a better word, uh, the vibration of sin. And 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 the extent to the damage that's being done within multiple dimensions, and and it reached a particular point that it necessitated God Himself coming uh, to the earth, as He did in chapter one, verse four. But also He returns now a year later to get something <laughs> he's coming to get that glory that he had deposited in the temple 
back in First Kings chapter 8 that we were just reading about, the glory that filled the house where the priest could not even stand and it, it receded into the Holy of Holies. That's what he's after. And he's after that precisely because it's his glory and, and the effects of that glory uh, are so powerful that it cannot be kept in the protective guard of anything that's unholy. And especially, and we're not talking about sins of the flesh here that are being revealed and have been being revealed as we've discussed at length. We're talking about sins of the priesthood. We're talking about sins of the of the temple itself that started a couple hundred, three hundred years before in Solomon's case and ends a few centuries later here. It had been so thoroughly corrupted. Now, there is a component, uh, there is a... Uh, there is something that happens that is different when when the priesthood, if you will, and I'm trying to be careful here. Let me put it this way. Depending on the extent of the knowledge of God that the individual possesses um, the the effect of sin that is generated the wages of sin right which is death that is generated from a pagan is completely different and and magnified in its destructive quality a millionfold when it comes from somebody who's in charge or has been left uh, with the responsibility of being caretakers of anything that is sacred, anything that is holy, anything that pertains to the Lord God Almighty and Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. So in this case, what we see is that we need to understand, because understand this, what we are witnessing in these visions is the case being laid out why God is going to allow a nation to be absolutely destroyed and his holy temple burnt to the ground. It's extraordinary because that very temple, like we saw earlier, its architectural design did not have its origin in the earth, but was, for lack of a better word again, but was downloaded by the Holy Spirit into the very heart of King David himself. So it explains, one, when you think of it that way, what qualified that building to house the glory of God. Because the building itself was was meticulously dictated in its in its in its foundations and in its measurements and in everything else because we were just reading there in first chronicles chapter 29 the parlors the inner chambers everything everything was given specifically 
in order that it might be a place suitable for just a piece of the glory of God, God's glory nonetheless. And and by the time we reach a few centuries later, the nation has so apostatized that it transcended merely just sins of the flesh because it was now coupled with the writings of the holy prophets, the entirety of the Torah, and the glory of God having existed within the nation for centuries, two, three hundred years, maybe more. I, I need to do my homework on that one. I think it's about it, it's, it's about 400 years. And so when we get to this point, like we're saying, God has to take Ezekiel into the realm of the spirit. He could have showed it to him any other way. If you think about it, remember when Philip was baptizing the Ethiopian in the book of Acts? And then suddenly when the man came up out of the water, Philip wasn't there anymore. He had been carried by the spirit and deposited in the Caesarea Philippi. God could have done the same thing to Ezekiel. He could have picked him up right out of that house and carried him over to Jerusalem, let him walk around and see everything that was happening. But he didn't do it that way. Instead, he removed his soul and his spirit and carried him in the wind of the spirit to behold things that were causing the spirit world itself to reverberate and shake. Now listen. <laughs> he said, I was carried in the visions of God. And then verse, in verse 4, he says, and behold, the glory of God of Israel was there. Uh, according to the vision that I saw in the in the plane a year before. He's talking about Ezekiel 1 verse 4, the original vision. He said he's come back like that a year later. And now he's after something. And as we've talked about, what he's coming to get is the glory. But understand, from that moment as we've been exploring in the past three abominations we've already looked at, the seat and the image of jealousy, and then the 70 elders, and then the women of Tammuz, all coming from the north, it's, it's literally him revealing that the temple itself was being, it was being infiltrated. It was, it was being flooded with, with darkness and, and evil and blasphemy in an ongoing manifestation of rebellion that was generating dark energy. I don't know how else to say it, man, but it was generating a quality of darkness that was shaking dimensions. And God had to come to deal with that. And 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 it's so egregious because as we're going to see right now uh in a second here, he was coming to re- returning to remove his glory. See, this is this is a mystery, but he brings all of heaven with him. And then, like we said, Ezekiel was showing those first abominations, those first three. But then we come again to verse sixteen, and and we're not going to be much longer. But I want to I want to I had to say all those things, and we had to you know mention those things to try in a stumbling sort of way to indicate why, and and uh, it was so intense you know i don't know how else to say it i mean this is an intense thing going on now let's take a look at this brother jeremy could you read again to us verse 16 and, and we'll get into this discussion here for the next few minutes and he brought me into the inner court of the lord's house and behold at the door of the temple of the lord between the porch and the altar were about five and twenty men with their backs 
towards the temple of the Lord and their faces towards the, towards the east and they worship the sun towards the east. All right. Now, we need to ask the question, well, who are these guys? Well, we, we kind of already identified them in part when we see they were present at the dedication, at least their fathers were. Uh, this, this, these are generations later now. But there's an identifying thing put in the middle of this verse where it says where they were located, which is between the porch and the altar. Uh, between the porch and the altar was only reserved for a specific group of people. You weren't allowed to go in there if you weren't part of the priestly class, but you were especially not allowed to go in there unless you were at another level of that priestly class. And they were known as the heads of 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 the uh, of of the sons of Levi, the fathers, the elders, the ancients, they broke down into their uh, designed uh, responsibilities. But these twenty four in particular were the heads of those uh, Levitical uh, family members. They were broken off into twenty four specific heads, and they became the elders or the leaders, the chief of the fathers, as they called them over these 24 different family units that that evolved over time, so to speak. Now, King David was given specific instructions about these men, and he laid it out as to how God wanted it done. And, and Brother Jeremy, if you would, please turn over to First um, Chronicles chapter 24, and we'll see what we're talking about, because we're identifying who these 25 men are. And and look at First Chronicles. Would you read uh, verse one through four to us? Yes. Now these are the divisions of the sons of Aaron, the sons of Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. But Nadab and and Abihu died before their father, and had no children. Therefore, Eliezer and Ithamar executed the priest's office. And David distributed them, both Zadok or Zadok of the sons of Eliezer and Ahimelech of the sons of Ithamar, according to their offices in their service. And there were more chief men found of the sons of Eliezer than of the sons of Ithamar. And thus were they divided. Among the sons of Eliezer, there were 16 chief men of the house of their fathers, and eight among the sons of Ithamar, according to the house of their fathers. All right. And then he goes on in the next several verses to describe uh, the different family members under those those 24 men. Notice Eliezer, uh, his, his descendants uh, broke up uh, into different family groups, <clears throat> uh, 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 and amongst each individual of those family groups, there were 16 of the, chief, of the chief men of their house of their father. So that's 16. And then there's eight among the sons of Ithamar, eight chief men among the house of their fathers, 24 in all. Now, those 24 men were, were the heads over uh, 24 different specific groups of Levites and priests. They were the chief fathers, and and those chief fathers existed always. So whenever, because uh, what would happen was that <clears throat> was that David 
distributed amongst these 24 family lines uh, of priests. Uh, they would come up to Jerusalem. It was the intention for them to come up to Jerusalem and take care in a, on a revolving basis. You know, they'd have their time where they'd come and they'd gather. And when they would come, one of the chief of the fathers that was responsible for that particular group at that particular time would come. Now, there's 12 months in the, in the, in the political calendar, and there's uh, seven months in the religious calendar, but it, it was on a 12-month uh, basis that the temple was constantly being taken care of, and they would break up their service into two-week increments. So you do that twice, right? Two times 12 is 24. So let's say, let's look at the first one. Now, the first lot came forth in verse 7 was to Jeho uh, Jehoiarib. The second to, to Jediah, the third to Harim, the fourth to Saroy, and you go down the list, there's 24 of them. So, for instance, <clears throat> uh, the first two weeks of the year, uh, the chief of the father, Jehoiarib, would bring his whole clan with him, so to speak, tribe with him of Levites, and they would come to the temple and they would assist the ancients or the elders that were there in running the temple. And the high priest would always stay there. And when their two weeks was up, the next chief of the fathers would bring his group. And, and subsequently, they did that throughout the year. 24 individual two-week periods headed by each individual chief of the fathers. Through the line of Eliezer, through the line of Ithamar, which goes all the way back uh, to the beginning uh, of the Exodus, so forth and so on. So when when these 24 are specific heads of everything, uh, what Ezekiel is being shown here are the 24. The reason he sees 25 is because that's the high priest. So there'd be 24 uh, chief of the fathers, and then the high priest would join them. And, and what Ezekiel was being shown, let's go back to Ezekiel chapter 8 now. What he was literally being shown was the was that all of them were present, and all of them are between the porch and the altar. The twenty fifth being the high priest in the midst of them. Now, listen. We need to understand that Ezekiel's vision and what he was being shown was both literal, but in a greater extent, what's happening here is God is showing. Where the problem is, is being generated in the spirit world, not just by one or two uh, bad, you know, eggs in the bunch, but by all of them collectively. Ezekiel, Ezekiel's vision is both literal, but also what was being seen was being seen in the spirit realm. And listen, and all the events are taking place simultaneously. Remember, he's brought in the visions of God to the temple, and he doesn't see what he sees one thing today, another thing he saw tomorrow, another thing he saw the day after that. He saw all of these things present, the seed of, uh, of the image of jealousy and the, and the image of jealousy right at the gate where the brazen altar is. He sees the, the 70 elders in the secret chambers burning incense and worshiping false gods at the same time. And he sees the women weeping 
uh, in the court of the women <clears throat> in the north part of the temple uh, at the same time for Tammuz. And then he sees these 24 men with the 25th being the high priest between the porch and the altar uh, with their backs toward the temple of God. All of this taking place at the same time. That's how he had it revealed to him in the spirit. So while they were actual events that were happening in the natural, in the spirit realm, it wasn't something that goes away. It was ever present. And so it was generating an enormous amount of, <laughs> of bad stuff, man, <laughs> to put it that way. So, so what that reveals is that this, this dark energy, it's being generated by a satanic expression through all of them. See, this is a this is a truth that's not understood by by most, seriously speaking, in, in, in the realm of, of the church, in the believer's life, that that this was being generated through all of them indicates uh, an expression of satanic will. Now, see, I can sense <laughs> that this is a very difficult thing to wrap our heads around, but listen, man, this is very profoundly deep, uh, what's happening. Again, I reemphasize, we are looking at these things because we Brother Marty, see... Go ahead. Yeah, you bring up a great point, uh, quite a few, actually, um, uh, I guess the ability of Ezekiel to see things as present, so the 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 uh, the past, present, and future seen in one moment. That's that's a that's a key to really understanding how the prophets of old and and those who were taken up to these realms um, were able to see uh, all things, right? Uh, past, yes. present, and future, and, and that's 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 what takes place. Uh, in the realm of, of the spirit, uh, Jesus said, uh, um, you know, let, 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 let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's already done. It's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a completed work. We, we, you see all things. Um, so the, the, starting, the, 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 the starting point of the past leading to the future Right, there's two two points there. Right, the the, the past going to the future. Uh, when you enter the realm of the spirit, it's a starting point. You see all things. Yes. Right. Simultaneous. And uh, simultaneously, yeah. And 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 that's how uh, John was able to John the Revelator. A door was open in heaven, and and they hear the voice that said, "Come up hither." He's able to see all things. You know, prophecies from Daniel leading up to the future, and he's able to put them together and reveal it to us um, and so forth and so on. That's, that's one point that we have to understand to understand uh, what we're talking about here in the spirit realm. Yes. Um, the, the other thing is uh, how people can manifest the satanic, a sa the, the satanic will of the enemy. Yes. Uh, we see that, we see that even amongst Jesus disciples, mm. uh, we see it through Peter. Right, mm -hmm. he's literally manifesting the uh, the will of the enemy, Satan okay. himself, and Jesus identifies that. Says, "Wait a minute, 
Satan get thee behind, right? Well, yeah, whether he understood that or not, uh, of course he didn't. But that's what right. we're talking about, right? That's what that's we're saying. Incredible. It's but, incredible because I, I I was thinking uh, I was actually this morning uh, in deep thought, and and just something simple, just like for example, put it to us in a personal level. We go to God, we say, God, forgive me of my sins. But what I was thinking deeply is, do we really know what we're saying, mm-hmm. and just how evil and how depth, uh, how deep the fall was that. Every human being is born with a a sin nature, right? Um, Do do we understand what what we're saying? That it Mm. literally cost the Son of God to come. Jesus Christ is the only thing that could have took care of this. But the the other thing, the other aspect I was thinking about it is we, we don't understand that in many ways, without knowing, we could become participants of this evilness. You know, you you said you said two words that are that that are you're speaking about generating, and then an yeah. ongoing manifestation. That's what's yeah. taking place today. You know, mm-hmm. and and we're seeing it right now in our time, brother Marty, and brother Fernando, come to a a, a, a zen. What is that word? Zenith or a, a zenith? A, um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. an apex or zenith. Yeah. An apex. Mm-hmm. Yes. We're seeing this ongoing manifestation, but look what we're, where it's brought us to, brother, you know, to mm-hmm. a place that if you have eyes to see, you can only say, oh, my God, you know, yeah. where yeah. are we? You know, as the yeah. people of God, as ministers, do you not see it? You know, I don't know if it, I, I think it does tie in with what we're saying, but it just took me to deep thought this morning and thinking like, man, you know, well, you're right. no, I don't want to. That's absolutely correct. No, you're saying it right, uh, and and it's important to 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 bring those points out. And 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 also, brother Fernando, you mentioned something uh, you were saying there when you said um, about the Lord's prayer. In in regards to what you know, in that prayer it says, uh, "As in heaven, you know, Thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth." And and the connective. The connective thought of that, which is what you were talking about, is that things are past, present, future, ever present in the heavenly realm. And Jesus was teaching us to pray that that what is actually vibrantly in in permanent existence in et- in the eternal realm and beyond and forever, where where God is in heaven, He says uh, that needs to be manifest in the earth, and Right. What is in, what is interesting, and this is this isn't easy stuff here we're talking about here, but why are we mentioning mm-hmm. this again? Like we were saying, is is that we're looking at the prophetic parallel, we're looking at where we have come to in this present age, and where quite possibly we are uh, in this country being the last remaining uh, obstacle. To uh, the whole world, right? To the whole world being over overtaken, seriously. Mm-hmm. But it it drew the wrath of God to itself, and not just an angel, but God Himself came down in their time to deal with this. 
and if we and I'm just gonna throw this out there because because where I'm headed and the way I, I could go on for hours, you know me, but I mean is it, the cycles that repeat because what we are witnessing in the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple is the wrath of God being poured out, and this is the wrath that would be a result of of an egregious blasphemous apostasy of the church that then was. And it and it necessitated a removing of the glory. And there's a hint of the book of Revelation in there when we see when we get over to chapter nine tomorrow, that just once we have this vision done with as we're going to conclude it today, we then have God cry with a loud voice, which harkens to so many things we'll talk about tomorrow. And and then there's a marking that comes to pass upon those that are in the city sighing and crying for what they actually see is the apostasy within the house of God. And so what we have here again is 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 dark energy, satanic expression. What you pointed out, Brother Fernando, uh how when Peter uh was rebuked by Jesus and he said, Get thee behind me, Satan, I think what you were about to say was was that he wasn't aware but but mm-hmm. uh, that he was being used of the devil, but he was right. <laughs> right, right. No, he he wasn't he wasn't aware, um, but he was giving himself over to satanic will. This is Peter, who Jesus said, "Upon this rock will I build my church." Yeah. Uh, and and then uh, you know Judas ultimately uh, gave in to the satanic will, um, yes. and, and and betrayed the Lord. So. Absolutely. Well, that's just, it can, that's, it can that's, happen. That's, it can happen. Yeah, and, and that's a great point uh, because Jesus prayed for Peter, right? Mm-hmm. But Judas gave himself to that will. That's what we're seeing here in the temple structure and the visions that Ezekiel is sh- being shown. I don't know how 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 explicitly deep I can go as far as what I. <laughs> What I know is happening, what is really happening in this country right now amongst uh, the ministers and, and the establishment has brought about what you see happening now. Listen, what God said that the behavior of those people back in Ezekiel's day did was manifest Satan himself. Look at read verse seventeen, brother Jeremy. Even though we haven't gotten there, but read it so we can see a, a key important thing here. How we know it's the devil. Then he said unto me, "Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit the abominations which they commit here? For they have filled the land with violence and have returned to provoke me to anger." And lo, they put the branch to their nose. Listen to what he's revealing to Ezekiel. He's saying that the corruption at this level is so pervasive, whether it be the ancients in secret, whether it be the lower priestly class, so to speak, as far as uh, responsibility and and moniker that's given. uh, You know, they're they're not called chiefs of the fathers. They're just they're called the, the Levites and the priests which are the ones who had set the image of jealousy at the gate northward right behind, right by the brazen altar, <clears throat> whether it's them or the women in the court of the women at the north gate to the entering part of the house who are weeping for Tammuz. 
he, he then comes to these chief of the fathers, the 24 with the high priest, and says that all of them collectively, that their sin and, and their behavior and their apostasy was of such a nature that it filled the land with violence. The result of the violence was was in direct proportion to the satanic will being expressed, not through the heathen, but through the very leadership. It was as if beams of dark energy were filling the land. And we know it's the devil because God specifically identifies violence, right? Look at yeah. look at Ezekiel. Read Ezekiel and, and brother, 20. Brother Marty. In comparison, it's exactly why why is it so grievous the sin of the ministry? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's 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 the highest call in, in in the kingdom of God because it it mirrors the same ministry that Lucifer had in the beginning. It was the highest ministry mm-hmm. given to any of God's created beings at that time. Yes. Right before he created before he created uh mankind. So it, it it's it's similar to the rebellion of Lucifer when the ministry right comes under this satanic will and begins to manifest it and perform it. it there's nothing else that can compare to it but the rebellion of Lucifer himself. Okay, now on that point itself, brother, what we want to think about and, 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 and at least for a moment think about is the repeated attempts uh, by Lucifer himself uh, to overrun the house of God and, right. and to ultimately take to himself what it is that he's always been after to begin with. I want the glory, right? He was after the glory of God. That's what made this so dangerous. Because the way that these things are being revealed to Ezekiel, and I hope you're following us out there, and those of you who have been following these programs, you know what we're talking about. The other abominations, as he's led through them, it is the Holy Spirit's way of saying that territory had been being taken over time. So he shows it to him in a systematic way. And it's infiltrated the very temple of God. Remember, again, I started out the podcast by trying to lay it not so well, but but to reveal how King David had received specific architectural mathematical dimensions of every every length of every board, you know, substance of every material used, every component chamber, all of it was given to him by the Holy Spirit precisely to mirror the exact temple in heaven to scale. The implications of divine architecture where he would deposit his glory and leave it there. It became too attractive to Lucifer himself. He went after that as well. And the only way that he could do that was, and to, to make it possible, he couldn't do it through the pagans. He couldn't go after it through the pagans. <clears throat> he had to do it by corrupting the holiest people among them, which was the Levites, right? <laughs> I mean, right. from Ithamar and, and Eliezer's line, right? 
Nadab and Abihu had died. They got struck in the wilderness. But so these are their, these are Aaron's descendants. Now, <laughs> somewhere over the course of centuries after the dedication of the temple, this wickedness began to emanate, and it originated with King Solomon, the very one who built the temple. And we ain't got time to get into all that. But it, it, you know, remember he went and married all them women. He went and built temples to demon gods, for goodness sakes, Solomon did. He unleashed a spirit into the realm of the nation itself that culminates itself about 300 years later with what we're reading about here. Now, God says, what you were just talking about, Brother Fernando, uh, the, the, the fruit of, of the priestly class uh, infiltrated the entire society with violence. And this is satanic. Look at, look at what God said about Lucifer when he fell. And Brother Jeremy, are you there in chapter 28 of Ezekiel? I'll get there right now. <clears throat> All right. And read to us. There we go. Read to us verse 14 through 16, describing the fall of Lucifer. Listen to this. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou was upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created, till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou yes. hast sinned. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I will cast thee as a profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. So he uh, talks about... Uh, what it produced within him was violence, right? Violence, chaos, destruction. And this is what God says that was being manifest by energy, the satanic will to the chief of the fathers, these 24. They represented the entirety of the priesthood. Whereas the 70 that were worshiping idols in the secret chamber represented the whole nation, the 24 represented the nation's priesthood. And once it reached that level, exactly what Brother Fernando was saying, they are repeating by allowing themselves to be used as conduits of expression of satanic will. They are repeating the same thing that had happened in eternity past, only this time in the realm of the universe, in the realm of the natural. So incredibly... Uh, you know, deep is such thinking, but it must be understood so that when we look across the landscape of, of our country today and we see what is happening in every major city across this country, the very halls of power being shaken with plague, the very leader of the nation having to go into, into uh, you know, the hospital, the entire administration being struck with plague. The churches that are burning, the statues whose heads are being cut off, the, the threats of guillotines and heads being cut off in the 21st century, as it, as it is said, is going to happen in the book of Revelation. The streets are filled with violence. We are seeing the same thing. 
And I know this is a hard thing for people to wrap their heads around, but we are seeing the cycle repeated. And we are seeing it repeat right at the foundational place of the last remaining vestige of of Judeo-Christian expression on the planet, the seed of it. It has corrupted it's itself. Go ahead. It's going to replay. It's going to replay itself. That's according to the Book of Revelation. Um, in the last days, right? Woe to the yes. inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has come down to you. He's coming down. Yes. Right. And 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 again, why do you think that the Lord told Ezekiel, "Don't be rebellious. Hearken mm. to my word." Right. The word he used, rebellious, rebellion, Incredible. the Lord foresaw and could see what was taking place and manifesting itself and emanating from the temple itself, right? And he warns his prophet, hey, don't rebel. Don't join in league with, in the spirit realm with what's taking place, like depart from it, separate mm-hmm. yourself. Hearken to my word, you know, be yeah. led of my spirit, you know. So, so again, this is what's happening right now. Whether you realize it or not, you're going to fall on one side or the other. You're either going to join the rebellion that's taking place and is coming upon the whole earth, right, or you're going to be on the Lord's side. That's it. That's what we've been saying, right? It's, yeah. it's a separation that's coming. A rebellion is taking place that is satanic in nature, that is engulfing the whole planet. Yes. Right? And God is calling his people to be separate. Yes. That's exactly Um, right. Go ahead, brother. I also see the failure of the ministry. You know, I look back uh, to the promise that God gave Abraham, right, about a promised land, Right? And, and and we see how God would raise up a Moses, a leader, 40 years in the wilderness. And then he would raise up a Joshua, right, to conquer the land. And he and, and, the, and the command was very clear. Get rid, drive him out, right, all the enemies yeah. of God. And here's the failure of every single tribe. They failed to drive out those enemies of God and kept them there. And in turn, what that caused is that they corrupted. These people stayed within the people of God with the promise and they should have been cleared of all of that. They should have drove every single enemy. What happened? These same people that they kept are the ones who corrupted the worship. And and we can trace some things there, right? I, what yeah. we read right now in Ezekiel chapter 28, that he, what, what, the moment Satan did that, he, he drove, God drove him out of heaven, you know? Yeah, and and and, and that's what I wanted to bring out is part of the failure of the ministry of the people. We did not do what he told us to do, the way he and, told and also, us to do it. Amen. And and that's a that's a, a great point because now here is something that'll scare the devil out of most people, <laughs> but especially preachers. <laughs> if, but, yeah. if we haven't already. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. Exactly. Well, think about this because. He said that their very behavior, that is the minister's behavior, who continue to persist in the holy places of God, yet he says they return to my place in my faith and do what they do. And then he says that 
that their behavior has filled the land with violence, that the chaos, the destruction, and everything that was that they were witnessing was a direct result of their of their apostasy. And whether that and, and and the reason that Ezekiel had to see it in the spirit was because it was so wonderfully concealed in the natural. That's why he saw he was shown the seventy elders. Uh, in a secret place, right? He had to dig in the wall and, you know, there's a door and then there's a secret chamber. He had to show him that. He shows him the priests, uh, first and foremost, where the seat of jealousy is, in a location in the temple that's not seen by the general public. They're not allowed to go there. Only the priesthood could go there. And then there's the women in the outer court at the beginning of the entry into the house of God. That's what's public. And whether we get really into it or not, you know, again, being delicate, that is the manifestation of what's actually going on inside in the inner chambers of God's house, yet concealed. And then when we get to this part uh, of the 24 with the with the high priest in the midst of them and what they're doing, again, they're between the porch and the altar where only they're allowed to go. And they're right at the very throne room of God represented as the Bible calls it, the temple of the Lord. So all of this was done pretty much out of sight, understood by that corruption in, in those levels, because they all knew what they were doing. But the outside world, they were being, what was being generated within the spirits of the weak was the spiritual influence flowing out of the preachers, out of the ministers, out of the priests, out of the elders. That is a scary thing. Now we know that there we know that there were those that weren't spiritually weak, because in verse four of chapter nine he talks about that specific class who didn't who weren't influenced by them, nor were they influenced by the spirit that was flowing through them, because that's what we're talking about here, and that's why Ezekiel had to see it in the spirit, because it was revealed in the spirit because of what was actually happening in the spirit. Who you listen to, who you sit under, who you let your spirit be exposed to is vital. Right. It matters, <laughs> you know. Right. And, and and if that don't scare the devil out of every preacher that's listening right now, I don't know what will. You know, we need to be very, very careful. Oh, God, help us all, all of us, because we're all now called priests. Yeah. All of us are. Right. We we don't understand how much we grieve the Holy Spirit. He I grieves, know. Mm-hmm. you know. And if we would think about that, you know, grieve—that is the action of the Holy Spirit, a person of that that He grieves because of our actions. No, especially like you said, it's a thousand times, a million times worse when it comes out of people that should know better, right? Yes. And the Holy Spirit is grieved right now. I wish we could understand what that statement means. You know, mm. we are the temple of God, right? <laughs> that's another. Yeah. That's another. But, but 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 you know, there's there's similarities. You know what I'm saying? What's inside of us? The Holy Spirit, the temple of God, right? And and, and how 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 what God is requiring of us? Do we know who's in us? Right? And mm-hmm. but you're, you're but you're right. All of this, it, it's grieving. It, be careful what's going into your your temple, the temple of God. Your inside of your mind, what we allow, what we don't allow. Now, you know, this is a collective, a collective corruption that 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 was taking place. That you said, brother. 
Yes, and and uh, and it's what we're seeing in, in in the United States today. That's what's happening to our country. It's happening because every level of the church is in apostasy. I didn't say every person. I said every level, to varying degrees. And 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 we we all, all of us, man, need to reflect. All of us. I don't care who you are. And if you don't think you need to, well, you go start a podcast so we can hear the wonderful words of wisdom that will flow out of you. But for, but for the rest of us who, who live in this ugly old world, you really need to, to, to ask God to help us, all of us. Because this touches every single person from the highest organization to, to the smallest little church on the corner. And everything in between, and like Brother Jeremy and Brother Fernando pointed out, you know, we are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. All of us are called kings and priests if you know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so is it possible what's being revealed is that the the very compromise within the secretive places of the community of the church as a whole across this nation is producing alongside the satanic influence in the in the in the world? is producing what we are seeing right now, the the effects of it. It it, it flows across the realm of the spirit and hits like a Wi-Fi, man. You can't see the signals, but they're there, and they're influencing people. It's the same in the realm of the spirit. When the house of God is corrupt, what flows in the realm of the spirit, in the realm of the of, of (laughs) <laughs> that impacts soul and spirit that that penetrates the flesh into the heart yeah. jesus de- Jesus described it this way he said, "Look, iniquity is going to abound, but why mm-hmm. will iniquity abound? Read that brother jeremy to us in matthew twenty four yes. yes iniquity shall abound that's a that's a sign right <laughs> yes, and but a read mark. why it happens. In Matthew 24, uh, verse verse 12. Yeah, read says, verse 11, 11 and 12. 11 and 12. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because you thought you had long ago 
uh, been delivered from. What you are experiencing is being generated by a, an ever-increasing apostasy that's been taking place at very high levels in the ministry across the landscape of the nation, and it's filtered down even to the, to the medium-sized and smaller-sized churches that have influence on the spiritual lives of their community. And Jesus said in verse four, uh, 13 that it's going to require endurance to stand against it, right? Can you read mm -hmm. that in verse 13, Brother Jeremy? Yes, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. I'm telling you that we're not going to be able to stand if if we have compromise in our lives. Right. Mm -hmm. And we all do. Yes. I don't care who you are. <laughs> mm -hmm. Don't tell me you're just perfect. See, God is allowing us to, to reflect and, 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 and to search. And, and and it's different for every single person. I'm not just talking about sex, drugs, and rock and roll here, man. Because God gets into the most intimate details of your own psyche and begins to make adjustments and, and, and take things out. That's what Jesus said, right? He said, every branch in me uh, that bears fruit, what does he do? He purges it so that it might bear more fruit. So if you're feeling up under the heat of the Holy Spirit, remember this. It's not about good or bad and 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 brownie points that you earn with god in order to make it into heaven that's settled on calvary what it is about however is having those things that create uh destruction within the realm of the spirit that ends up uh affecting the natural world around us having those things removed from his church that is the process of the inspecting heat of the Holy Spirit. David described it as, as uh, you know, refine my soul, he said. In the book of Malachi, he talks about the Lord sitting as a refining fire and a fuller soap. David spoke about the, the, the hidden part being needed to be made to know wisdom and that the inward parts needed to be filled with truth. This is the heat of the Spirit. The implications of what the scriptures is declaring is a marvelous and incredible expression of the creator himself. A pristine expression of creation is yet ahead of us. It's called in simple terms, the new heaven and the new earth. The very concept of the material realm is almost as if it's a sieve that, 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 that removes the uh, the the obstructions and allows the pure fine flower, if you will, of what it is that God wants to endure for the next phase of what it is that He's bringing to pass. Jesus said it this way: "I go to prepare a place for you." So all of this is what we are sensing in our times, and it has its origins in what we have been we've been looking at and learning from. Uh, the patterns that are being discovered in these these abominations of the house of God. We've gone pretty long today. There's so much more here because what we're looking at and what we wanted to look at is is what they're doing. These 24. And I want let's just kind of maybe we'll pick it up from here tomorrow. But I want you to understand as what Brother Fernando pointed out: as in heaven, so on the earth. Let's take a little walk to heaven. 
and see why what they were doing was so incredibly blasphemous. And we will close with this. Brother Jeremy, could you um, turn over to Revelation chapter 4, please? I'm here. Would you read verse 1 through 4 to us? Yes. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper in a sardin stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. How many were there? Twenty-four. Twenty-four. That is why when we see these twenty-four chief of the fathers and then the twenty-fifth representing the high priest in the place of the east with their backs toward the temple of the Lord. It is how close the devil got to the ultimate defilement of the Holy of Holies. Because what was actually happening on the earth was what was meant to be a representation of these 24 elders around the throne room of God was an incredible act of defiance and rebellion as they turned their backs, these 24, because they represent the 24 in heaven. And they turned their backs on God toward the sun. Incredible. And that sun in the ancient days uh, was, was Satan himself. We talked about uh, the representative in the worship of the sun was tantamount to worshiping the devil himself. We talked about uh, Friday uh, of who Tammuz was. He was the, was the incestuous offspring of Semiramis and Nimrod. And it was said that Nimrod was absorbed up into, the, up into the sun. He is the sun. He's Ra of Egypt. He's Nimrod, the sun god of, of, of Babylon or Babel back in the day. Uh, and so what they did and what he got them to do in the very temple that David received the architectural, mathematical, divine plans for the temple in Jerusalem, which is a representation in scale of the heavenly temple itself, this is how extensively blasphemous and apostatized they had become. In the spirit realm, they had turned their backs as the 24 elders representing the 24 elders in heaven on God and his throne. That's why it talks about in Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 16. Let's go back there and look. It says, it uses that particular language and says uh, in verse 16, he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house and behold at the door of the temple of the Lord. That's the throne room of God. The temple of the Lord, remember, 
It's not the massive complex around it. When it specifically talks about the temple of the Lord between the porch and the altar, it's referring to the Holy of Holies. It's referring to the holy place and the Holy of Holies. That is representative of the very throne of God himself on the earth, and that's where the glory was. So what they were doing, it says, is they turned their back toward him and instead faced a representation of Satan himself. So when you have the women crying for Tammuz, you're having within the spirit realm something that's calling forth the son of the devil. Tammuz, that's who he represented, the offspring of Nimrod and Sibiramus back in the day in Genesis chapter 10, I think it is, or 11. You can read about it there. And then, and then so they are calling for, uh, the women were calling for Tammuz, weeping for Tammuz. It's a foreshadow of, of the desire to bring forth Antichrist. That's the extent that the satanic influence had infiltrated the house of God. And then when you have these 24 turning their backs on him in an ultimate defiance, it was the concluding nail to the coffin of their generation, if you will, for they openly were now worshiping the sun, a reflection of Satan himself. Understand, this is what's taking place right now. Whether we can see it or not, whether you can see it or not, that's what's happening. What we are seeing is so egregious because it's a blasphemous act and it reached all the way to heaven. It, it made God come down and remove his glory. And, and, and we begin to understand just how uh, deep it got in the realm of the spirit in that the entirety of the throne room of God came. The Father came, the Son came, the Holy Spirit came, if you will. All the seraphim were there. The cherubim were there. The four-faced creatures were there. And then it goes on, as we'll go on to explain, once we get out of this, this, this blasphemous place, we'll see why. We hear a loud voice cried in verse 9. Can you read verse 9, Brother Jeremy? I mean, chapter 9, verse 1. Yes. He cried also in my ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near, even every man with his destroying weapon on his hand. And where did they come from? What direction, Brother Jeremy? Verse 2. And beheld six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lieth toward the north. Which lieth every man toward the north. That's good. And every man had his weapon in his hand. They're coming to destroy. This is the wrath of God. It's about to be poured out. Mm -hmm. And and the same thing happened in the time of Christ. And I don't want to lose too many of you, but I'm going to throw it out there for those of you more advanced Bible study. That's the same thing that happened in the time of Christ. The, the, the cycles repeated. The glory of the Lord was taken from off the face of the earth when Jesus ascended in, into, into heaven off the Mount of Olives. The glory of the Lord was taken in this instance when the Father removed his presence and ascended from the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus did the same thing. And both times resulted in the destruction of an apostatized church and the nation. This is coming again. This is just ahead of us again. Only this time... When God comes, it'll be through his son riding on a, 
on the white horse. <laughs> and he's coming to take his glory away. Well, where's his glory? It's in the hearts of those who truly love him all over the world. And once he removes us and removes those that love him from the planet, then comes that destroying uh, wrath that is yet to come. But we're going to look into this a little bit more tomorrow, and we'll go into the ninth chapter as we discuss what 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 it really was about them turning their faces toward the east and toward the sun. This will take us over to Job, and and there will be some things revealed there in, in the book of Job, and uh, and and we'll look a little further at the twenty four elders, and then we'll get into the the ninth chapter as it begins. God begins to withdraw His presence. And he's got, and check this out now, as we'll get into see this, something far greater is going on here when you have to have the entire army of heaven there clearing the way. This is incredible, and, and this is deep, and this is why we are talking about these things, because what is happening on our planet today is a direct result of the things we're discussing. The spiritual principles of them are now fully blossoming in our time, quite conceivably, what we call the end of time. And so with that, we'll pick it up here tomorrow. And with that, we also understand this, because I don't want to leave a heavy trip on everybody, right? Yeah, although it is, is that God's children, I want, to leave, I want to leave this encouraging word for God's children. He knows who you are. And before this wrath was poured out, would you read verse 4 to us, Brother Jeremy, again? Chapter 9, it says, And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. So he goes, and before he begins to pour out his wrath, he, he dispatches his 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 angels and says, "You go mark those who 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 love me really, when they see what has truly happened to my house, to my church, to to, to, to this country, this nation." He says, "You go mark them. I I know who they are. And and you go mark them. And when when the, when the wrath came down, read verse six. Did you read that? It says and." Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children and women, be, but come not near any man upon whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. Then they began at the ancient men which were before the house. Sounds harsh when he talks about the old, the young, the children, the women. But understand what we've been describing here literally filtered down into the very children themselves. I mean, it got so bad they were that that the entire family structure was corrupted with demonic power now, demonic infiltration of their very soul. But there was not everyone because he said, "Listen, do not touch those who have that that seal of heaven's approval." I'm telling you. We are not too many days away from these kinds of events escalating even greater. And like we've been telling you, we ain't seen nothing yet. If we would have told you on Friday, <laughs> was it Friday? Yeah. If we would have told you on Thursday 
when we wake up tomorrow, the president's going to be struck with the plague and he'll be in the hospital. I mean, come on, really? Or or today, you know, when we concluded on Friday, that all 24 members, 24, by the way, hmm, of the <laughs> 24 people of the administration have been struck with coronavirus. I mean, again, you know, these are the kinds of things that are just happening over and over. Brother Jeremy shared with me this morning, 600 earthquakes. In where they live, six hundred. <laughs> Again, we got we yeah, we got California on fire. Actually, the entire West is on fire. You've got another another hurricane brewing in the in the Gulf, about to strike New Orleans, Baton Rouge, that whole area. I mean, what else? Do we, I mean, we got locusts in South and Central America running throughout Africa. We've got China, while everyone's been sleeping, uh, expanding its power through Asia and threatening the United States, Taiwan, Hong Kong. War is brewing. You've got the Armenian Christians being slaughtered. Yeah, I mean, I, we could go down the list. You, we're all, we're all, we're all looking at it. But understand, violence has filled the land precisely because of what we've been talking about. And, and and we want the people uh, of God to understand. Days are coming. They're getting even more serious. If they're not serious enough already, they're going to get even more intense. And so we admonish you in the name of the Lord not to be afraid. But like Jesus said, when you see these things beginning to come to pass, he goes, you lift up your heads and understand that your redemption is drawing near. God, help me and help all of us uh, to seek you and to be real before you and honest before you so that we might be healed. And we love you with all our heart, and we pray that you join us again tomorrow as we continue to explore uh, what it is the Spirit is saying to the churches. Anything else, Brother Jeremy, Brother Fernando? No. What a powerful way to start this week on this Monday with a uh, a very, a very straightforward word. And it is daunting to think. It's daunting to think that a nation without the presence of God. That's daunting. And yeah. we're seeing the world. And, and, but as as you said at the, at the end, brother, that, that God marks those that are his. Amen. So we yeah. want to encourage you. And we pray that you join us back tomorrow as we continue to study in the book of Ezekiel uh, in chapter 9 and see where the Lord is going to take us in this hour. We pray that you've been blessed. And, uh, and you know what? And I'm going to say encourage because for those that are in Christ, for those that are studying and giving them themselves their hearts to know him, it's an encouragement. Encourage, encouragement in what, Pastor? And that, that means that our redemption draws us nigh and it's closer than when we first begun jesus christ is coming again church jesus christ is coming again my friend if you haven't made him the lord of your heart make him come to him there's nothing impossible for god that he cannot do he's calling you you that are listening he's calling you by name he's warning you because he loves you he's chastising you because he loves you and he wants you for himself we pray the Lord bless you. We pray the Lord keep you. And as always, keep looking up.